All right, Charles, I'm super excited for this conversation, and, and here's why. I mean, our lives have crossed paths many times as we've both been in franchising for a long time. But I think if, if someone from the outside is watching your story in real time now, they're saying, wow, Tint World has exploded. But if you, if you really look at Charles's story, it started a long time ago. This isn't like a magically this happened overnight. There's been a lot of hustle in this. And, and that's where I want to start. I want you to tell me your story because I think it's important to hear just the grit and the grind that you put into this, that this is not an overnight success story. This is, this is a hard work story that turned into this. So I'll open it up like that and let you take the reins. I want to, I want to hear your story, what that means to you. You know, it started out, but by the way, uh, thank you for inviting me on here. I'm really happy to be with you, uh, Nick. Um, I've been watching, you know, you guys on your various uh, uh, shows and really enlightening Anybody who's watching is going to gain information out of you, your team, and you know one of the founders in franchising or otherwise. But really, it definitely helps out. Appreciate so, it. thank you. Um, but yeah, my story is really nothing. To me, it didn't sound like it's anything fancy, but it really is a long story. I mean, I, I grew up in Brooklyn, and um, uh, you know, I, I learned my basic skills of business from my dad. My dad had a clothing factory in Brooklyn. When I got out of high school, I went and opened up a clothing factory. And I became a designer. I made my designer line. And um, that I saw that I got a really big order and I couldn't fulfill that order. And I learned that, you know, everything my dad's showing me was really good to go into business to do what he wanted to do. But it wasn't going to take me to the levels that I wanted in the areas that I wanted. So after having the factory, I also uh, expanded and bought a pizzeria restaurant in New York City around the corner from the Empire State Building. Um, and it was a business that was in there and I, I went into it because my brother-in-law asked me to go into it and I said, why not? And we opened it up and yeah, we did really well, but I just really was following the steps of what either my dad said was good or my brother-in-law said was good. And, but really as a teenager, I was really into cars. You know, my first car was a Chevelle and then it was a Trans Am and then a Corvette. And I loved customizing them, custom wheels, car stereos, different things on the vehicle. I had Everybody used to want me to go in for car stereos in their cars because I was really good at it. And I never thought of it as an occupation or a business. I just thought it was something I really liked to do. But after doing my first two businesses, I, I just felt like I wanted to So what I basically did is I just told my dad, I'm going to sell everything I have as far as in New York, even my car, uh, and I'm going to move down to Florida, um, and I'm going to open up a car stereo shop aftermarket accessory business so you know at, at 21 years old i basically had about thirty thousand dollars in the bank that's pretty good i guess at the time um two suitcases one-way trip ticket to fort lauderdale and that was my quest to begin my my you know my journey um and so when i got down to fort lauderdale i realized you know i gotta get an apartment i gotta get set up with a, a car and so uh, to save money, I actually bought a used car that was four years old. It was a small little Ford EXP coming off of, you know, a Corvette wasn't really fun, but it was like my dedication to keep my money vested for my business. And uh, so from that point, I got myself set up an apartment. I got everything going. And then I, I, I set to look out for a location. But that was the simplest thing. Um, I went and I found a location that I liked in Hallandale, Florida. 
Um, it was in a strip mall that was building a brand new auto center. And there was a, a Jiffy Loop was going in and uh, a Lee Miles transmission and something else. And then I, I basically saw an end cap and I went to the landlord. I said, I would like to be able to rent that, that, that spot. And they said, well, what do you want to do? I said, I want to do a car stereo shop and aftermarket accessory business. I, I really know what I'm doing. I had two businesses in New York. I'm, I want to set this up. He goes, well, we really don't do any businesses like that. I go, well, why can't you lease to me? He goes, well, it's not like an established business. We really only like to, you know, have leases with established business. I'm like, oh, okay. So I didn't. So I said, well, thank you very much. Um, and I left. And I said, you know what? Maybe if I get a loan from the bank and I have really well funded, maybe I'll feel better and I'll be able to, you know, show something. So I went to the bank and had an account with Wells Fargo. I walked in in Pompano Beach where I, where I got my first apartment. And I said to the girl, I said, listen, I want to get a loan for my business. I said, I have about 30000 It's in your bank. I said, but I, you know, I want to borrow about fifty. That'll get me the 80000 I need to open my business. Here's my business plan. I'm ready to go. And she goes, well, we don't have any loans for that. I go, no loans. How do I open the business? I mean, how does everybody come to a loan if you don't give any loans? Says, well, we only really lend to like, you know, businesses that already are established. We don't really do new startups. I'm like, hmm. I'll go. So, okay. So I left that and I walked out of the bank. I thanked her very much. I was always polite with people because you never know when maybe they'll help you. And so I left and I called up uh, my mom and my dad and I said, I haven't seen you in about a month or two. I've been in Florida. I'm working this. She goes, my mom tells me, why don't you come back to New York for the weekend? In a couple of weeks, we have a family wedding. Um, you'll see all your cousins and your friends, and uh, you just come in. I said, okay. So a couple of weeks later, I flew back to New York, and I uh, went to the family wedding. And at the wedding, I ran into a cousin of mine that was asking me, what are you doing in Florida? And I told him kind of what I just told you. You know, I, you know, I'm trying to get it set up and having a little difficulties, but I'll figure it out. And I asked him, what are you doing? And he goes, well, you know, I just uh, – moved to New Jersey about a year ago and we bought this franchise and I said franchise he goes, yeah it's a Meineke discount muffler franchise mufflers there's money in that he goes oh yeah it's really good we're doing really good we've been in a year now my brother and I just bought a new house each we both bought new cars we're going to be opening up a second store soon I'm like really he goes yeah he goes why don't you come out and take a look after the weekend before you go back to Florida on Monday maybe Come and see it. I said, okay. So lo and behold, I woke up with my dad. He was at the wedding too. I said, Dad, this is Roland's just opened this business. It's a franchise. Let's go take a look at it on Monday. He goes, okay. So following Monday, we get in the car, we drive out to New Jersey, we pull up, and there's like a gravel parking lot. There's a three-bay gas station converted to a Meineke with a smile and muffler on it. It wasn't anything fancy, but it was busy. Like, you know, there's a lot of cars, customers walking in and out. I'm like, wow. So we walk inside. I see my two cousins behind the counter, and they're like, yeah, sign right here, the cat back. Joe, we cat back on that car, you know? And they were just having a good time in it. So I says, oh, this is not bad. Pretty cool. I mean, it's not exactly what I want, but he's doing well. So I spent the morning there. Speak. I spoke to the technicians. I spoke to my cousin, and we wound up going out to lunch together. Um, and so while we're at the restaurant uh, eating lunch, she tells me, says, you know, listen, it might be something you want to do. We're doing really well with it. Um, I said, well, what, what do you get at it? Why, why did you go with this franchise? He goes, well, they give you a blueprint of how to operate your business. They give you a roadmap so you know what to do. They train you and they get to help you get a location. They help you get the finance. And I'm like, oh, really? 
He goes, yeah. So I said, okay. So um, he goes, yeah, here's a business card. Take it and give him a call. See if it works out for you. Maybe, maybe you'll get approved. I said, okay. So I, I left lunch with him. I thanked him for everything. Got in the car with my dad. Drove back to Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, went home. Talked about it a little bit. And then I, I said, okay, I'm going to fill out all the paperwork. But I'm not sure if I want to do this. Let me just see if I can get approved. And we'll, we'll see from him. So I, fit, I filled out all the paperwork. I went back in. I sent it all in. I went back to Florida. A couple of weeks later, I get a letter in the mail. And it was from Meineke saying, you've been preliminary approved for a franchise. The next steps are dot, dot, dot. I'm like, oh, okay. That's the first yes that I got since I've been in Florida. So I'm like, okay, this is pretty good. At least somebody wants me. <laughs> but it was really good. Uh, so from that point, um, I said, I'm going to use this letter. Before I'm not sure if I want to do this. I really want to do this cost area thing. So I took the letter and I went back to the landlord and I told him, listen, Mr. Landlord, name was Martin. I said, listen, um, I got this letter from Meineke. They approved me for a franchise. So if they approve me, you know I'm good credit. So maybe you can rent the place to me for my cost area shop. He goes, oh, no, no. But if you want to use it as a Meineke, we'll be happy to put you in there. I got, but you won't do it for the other. No, no, no. We, we love those kinds of brands. Those are established brands. Oh, okay. He goes, listen, we, we, we borrow money from the bank to build our auto centers, and we like to have brands in there because they're, they're easy to lend us money when we have good brands. So it's not that we don't want your other business, but we need proven brands. I said, okay. So he gave me the, the lease, copy the lease, says, yeah, I'll take it back and see if you get approved for this location. I said, okay, thank you very much. I took the paperwork. I went, and I still, I still had to go back. So I went to the bank, and I went back to the girl in the bank that I met. And I says, you know, I know you told me no about this business and the loan, but I got this Meineke franchise that I get this letter. They approved me for a franchise. Does that help? Maybe you'll give me a loan. They trusted me. Maybe you'll give me a loan. They said, well, you know what? We'll give you a loan if you do a Meineke franchise. That's an SBA loan. We have a special loan program from that. So if you're going to buy a franchise, here's the paperwork, and we'll get you a loan. So I realized, you know, I can, all of a sudden I found this, this thing called franchising, where everybody was telling me no for me, but if I had that brand name behind me, I was getting the loans, I was getting the real estate approval for the for the lease. And so I, I said, you know what? I'm gonna take the path of least resistance. I'm just gonna go with this. And maybe sometime in the future, I'll do the business that I wanna do. But right now, I gotta get into business. I'm here like almost three months now. I gotta get into business. So I called up Meineke, what's next steps? They told me I got approved, I went to training. The landlord gave me some free rent. I signed the lease. I got everything was good. Now, at the same time that I moved out to Florida, I was dating my wife now, who was my girlfriend, who was going to college. But, you know, so when I opened up the Meineke, you know, I, we were dating and I told her, when we get when I get my own business set up, we're going to get married. So after I opened up the business, we got married. I took her on a honeymoon, went to, uh, to uh, Hawaii, came back. I bought a townhouse for us all in the first year that I owned this business. I'm really doing really well with it. But then I told her, I says, you know, Jeanette, I says, we're doing really well and I'm, I'm doing good with this. But I moved out to Florida because I had the dream of really cool cars driving down the beach, palm trees, like, and I got this 40 XP. I really want to get a new car. I want to go order a brand new vet, brand new Corvette. So she says, well, Charles, you know, I'm so thankful for everything we've done and everything you've done. You bought us a townhouse, got married honeymoon and all, and you're doing really good in the business, but I'm doing the books. And I'm just telling you that, if, you know, if you want to, if you want to order that car, you might want to 
open up another one of these. I go, okay. Picked up Meineke. I called them up. I said, I want another franchise license. They sent me another franchise license. I'm doing really well in the first year. So I said, okay. It wasn't three months later. I had the next store open. Um, and then during that first year of the other store, the next store being open, um, I go to my wife. I go, you know, Jeanette, this store is doing just as good as the other one is. I mean, can I go order this car? She goes, go order your car. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so I ordered a brand new Corvette and it came in. It was black with red interior. It was beautiful. And so I put the, the a really wild car stereo system in it. It had a plexiglass box in the back, four subwoofers, by 12s. It was all lighting systems. It was really, really killer. It wasn't a business, but it was something that I liked and actually got talked about quite a bit with the car shows and all that stuff. So lo and behold, I got two businesses now. We're doing well. We evolve. I get. I go. I go to my wife. I says, "You know, Jeanette, I'm doing really well. Everything's going good with the businesses, but like, I really wish I was had my own property. I want to go and buy my own property, and I want to get my general contractor's license, and I want to build my own building and rent that to the franchise. So instead of paying the landlord, I can actually pay the property down and own the property when it's free and clear. So I'll make double money. I'll make one from the business. And she goes, well, Charles, you know." We're doing really good. You know, the first business, we, we're doing well. The second one, we bought your car. We're going on vacations a lot, all the extras. She goes, if you really want to do that, you might want to open up another one of these. I go, okay. <laughs> so I pick up the phone. I call mine again. I need a third license. So they send me down. They approve it. I get approved. wasn't long later. I opened up the third store. And, of course, you know, once you get one of these down going and you start learning how to run multiple stores and you can start really optimizing. So I had the third store. Off to the races, doing really well. Got that up and running after a year or so. Um, I actually started studying to, to get a general contractor license and how do I open up this business and open up, buy the property and build it. So I proceeded to do that. I wound up buying a piece of property. Um, I built my first oh. building. It wanted to be one of the biggest mining keys that was in the company it was 10 bays. And I got it open and literally wound up to be the first mining key store that ever did a million dollars more than a million dollars in the first year open. So I got a lot of kudos for that, but it proved to me that a good looking building that was built right, opened up would actually be better. And I was pretty good at marketing back then. Um, there wasn't no digital at the time, but I was really good with, you know, getting people to come to the business. I was good at sales, marketing and operations. And my wife did the book work. So it worked out really well for me. Um, and so I grew it got this new business open, and now I loved it. I'm like, wow, I love this even better than just opening a business. Now I own my property. So I wound up doing more and more and more. By, 20, by 2001, I did my 10th and last franchise business. Um, it was the last one that I opened uh, with Meineke. It was the, and then every one was bigger than the next. This one wound up to be 10,000 square feet, very high-end area, had 18 bays, um, I bolted on a Goodyear to it. So it was a Meineke with a Goodyear built in and was just a high volume store. That was the first store for Meineke that ever did over $2 million. And I did it pretty much consecutively every year after that. Um, so I wound up starting to sell off the old stores that I had that were, I didn't own the property. I figured, let me just take the money from the businesses. They grew. And I rather, I like the idea of buying more property. And that's kind of what I did along the way. But there is a unique story that how I learned about franchising because I'm a franchisee. I might be a good franchisee. Well, how do you learn about being a franchisor? And I really didn't think I knew what I knew to become a franchisor. I just, 
I just really was involved with the franchise. They had these different committees. They had a product committee. They had a, um, a advertising committee. They had a vendor committee. All these committees. So at a convention one time in early 90s, it was about 1990, 91, um, we went to a convention and there's five, 600 franchisees there. And um, Meineke and some executives get up at the dais and they, they say, listen, you know, we want to do this new thing. Uh, we're getting, basically, we're getting some complaints from customer service about people having sloppy handwriting on the invoices. So we got this new computer that just came out. It's a Radio Shack computer and a dot matrix printer. And so you could type everything in there and it prints out the receipt nicely. And so we just want to know, we think we could do more with this, but we think this is a good start. We want to know, um, we want to start a new computer committee and we need a chairman for it. So is anybody here want to be a chairman for the computer committee? And I'm the young guy, like there's a lot of the older guys and they're like, no, we don't want no computers. No, we don't want that. And I'm like, I'll do it. <laughs> you go, Bun Figneal, come on up here. And I go, okay. So I ran up there and they get me in front of everybody. And I'm like that poster child now. I'm the guy who's bringing, you know, you know, doing billion dollar stores and stuff. So they said, well, listen, um, we're going to send the computer to all your stores and free of charge. And all we want you to do is just work with it and tell us what we can do with it. You know, how can we make your life better in the shop? So we're going to uh, schedule you a weekly call with our software developer. And you just speak with them weekly and tell them what you want to create and test it out. I said, okay, great. That sounds fun. So they send the computers down. I was all cool. I set up all these computers. That was like my niche. I started really getting good at all technology stuff. Um, but so I get into the into my shop and I oh I really never liked, I'm very neat and organized in my place. I never really wanted like this ugly time clock that was on the wall with all these slot cards. So I, I go to the guy, I go, is there any way we could just make the time clock being the point of sale, I can get rid of that thing with the cards. We could just tuck the in initials in and it prints out. He goes, yeah, we could do that. So that was my first invention with computers is the time clock. I, and it gives a report that over time and everything that it did. So it was really cool. Um, so I did that. Um, and then from that point, it went on from, you know, product categories, product types, um, part names. I started working with the vendors and the, the manufacturers. I still Call up all mining manufacturers. Yeah, I'm working for mining on the computer committee. I want to get the data. So anybody can give me the Excel format so I can put it into the point of sale system. Point of sale. It's a computer that allows us to order. So, and instead of calling you up and making phone calls, can I just send you the order through the system? Uh, I think it was AOL at the time we were using to send a, a fax order or whatever it was. So the computer faxed the audits. So that was another invention. And it went on and on you know, uh, customer information. I said, oh, wow, we got customer information. Now we can actually send out postcards and print out these labels out of the computer. And that was another marketing piece. So then I started working with the marketing department at Meineke and the marketing committee. And so I was working with the vendor committee uh, with all the suppliers to get their data. I was working and, and, and electronically order to them. I was working with the advertising committee, Meineke and, 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 and Meineke's marketing department on using the data for the customers to market the customers with postcards and other things. Um, and everything got to be where everything was going through me. Like I didn't, I was the guy that anything, I went, I went with the, uh, the I, I went to, went to work with the, the uh, CFO of Meineke. And I said, I, I really want better reporting. Can you work with me on reporting? I'm not a financial guy at the time. Now I know a lot of this stuff, but at the time I was like, I just want to know how can I better run my business? 
So we started to design uh, commission reports for technicians, uh, SPIF programs, if you want to pay them extra for selling something. Uh, we worked on um, sales reports. You have a daily sales report, a weekly sales report, and then a detail report so you can see what categories you're selling everything in. It was really, really good. So I started to learn reporting. And so we just did all this really cool stuff. And But during this time, from all the way through the 90s and, and early 2000s, Meineke would fly me up every quarter or so to corporate up in North Carolina. And they would take me up and, and we'd go into this big boardroom and there'd be all the C-level execs and some of the committee members. And we'd talk about, and I'd get in there as a young guy and i okay, I got these 20 items that I want to build into the system. Here's what they are. And Mike, whoa, 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 Charles, we appreciate your enthusiasm. We just want these two little things. I'm like, I'm like, but don't you want everybody to be like me? You want million dollar stores, right? You got to do it. And I was so passionate. And they're like, well, we'll do some of them. Let's do these for now. But so with that, they started to stonewall me a little bit on some of the ideas I had. I want to integrate with QuickBooks. I want to do all these cool things. And um, so what I started to do was work with the software developer, which wasn't part of mining. It was an independent company that was running this whole thing. And slowly we started, you know, rolling these out to all the franchisees. But to roll them out, like I knew most about it. So at the annual conventions, I became a trainer. Well, the reason why you want to use your system is because you have this and you have this and here's how it works. So I got to be really very friendly with all the other franchisees and be a leader in the company by helping them and inspire them to use the tools, showing them how they I, they didn't know how to set up the commission reports. They call me up. I walk them through it. I just really enjoyed helping the other franchisees. And I love creating like software. It was great. Um, so I started working with the software developer on the side saying, listen, my Nikki doesn't want me to do these things, but I got to have them. I said, so don't you want to make this system for other companies as well as mine? He goes, yeah. I'm like, then do what I tell you. Make this for me and let a trigger in the back, shut it on for my, or for my Nikki. But for me on my computer, I need this information. Would you do that? So he started developing for me the way I wanted to do the system, the things I felt was good. Um, Meineke didn't care about it. They didn't want it, but he was doing it because he knew it was making the system better um, and, you know, really doing more things. So with that, I just, it, it involved me in a lot of ways with, with Meineke. And, uh, you know, after the meetings, we'd go to the bar across the street and they'd have some drinks. I don't drink, so I'd have like water with lemon in it, but they'd be all drunk. And I'd be asking the question, so oh, tell me how, how much you make in, uh, in your position as senior vice president. Well, how much you make as the CFO and what's your exit strategy? How do you think, you know, um, how about the CEO of Meineke? What does he do? What does he really do? Where's he from? I just was inquisitive. I don't know. I wanted to learn about everybody. How did they build this company? And then I would start to pick on things that I didn't like. Like, okay, well, how come you have so many collection people? Why do you have like... 30 people collecting royalties. Why can't you just like automate that somehow? And I didn't like that. I felt like, okay, if I, if I owned the company, what do I like about it? And what don't I like? I didn't like the legal department and I didn't like the accounting department. I felt like there was too much overbloatedness, but I like the sales. I like the operations. I like everything that I like, you know, marketing. So with that, I just, in my mind, I stored all this stuff without thinking that I was going to do anything when I just evaluated the company. What do you do? That's what you do. You're a computer guy. What do you get? You got to figure out systems. How does it work? What can I do? How do I stream one? So fast forward, um, a couple of years later, we're, we're, my last store opened in 2001. That became a $2 million store, but it was a really big investment. It was nearly $3 million at the time. And that was like far beyond what any money you would ever cost. But I really didn't care. I wanted the Taj Mahal. 
as my memento of what I built. Um, and it really was. And so um, a couple of years later, I'm ready. Usually I would do a store every year or two. Um, in this case, I had to take a slowdown because that store really took me for a lot. I opened up one in 99 and then a bigger one in 2001. And it, it spent a lot of my money. So I wanted to recoup a little bit. So fast forward a few years in 2005, I'm ready to start investing again. I want to do, I got to go. But I told my wife, I sat down with her, went out to dinner. I said, you know, Jeanette, I don't think I want to do any more Meineke stores. She goes, why? I said, I don't know. I'm, I'm the number one in, in the company with sales. I, I built everything. And now this new company, Raw Capital, took over and they don't, they want to like disassemble the, the committee. So I got, what am I going to do? I mean, I know I built the businesses and we're making money with that. And I don't make any money with that, but I really like building stuff. And they're going to, I'm not going to really be going up there anymore. So what am I going to do with myself? I like to build stuff. So she says, well, what do you want to do? I says, I think I want to build the, I think I want to build the business I always wanted. I always dreamed of. I want to build a car accessory business. I want to build it. And, and, and right this, if I build one right now, it's not going to be so big. It's one store. What am I going to do? I, I already have money. It's not that. I think if I want this and there was nothing like it, other people might want it too. So I'm going to build a franchise. I think I know enough to build my own franchise and I'm going to do it better. I know everything that Moneyke does really well. And then there's a couple of things like I think they should be doing this. I think I think that would make it better. You know, I think instead of doing 80% on national marketing and 20% on local marketing with our dollars, I'd like to flip that and put 80% on local marketing and 20% on national marketing. I think it'll drive more business in. I think that their operations team should not just come in and inspect you once a year for half a day. They should come in and train you and help you get a trade accounts, fleet accounts, you know, national accounts. They should do things. I said, I think it should be more. I says, there's a lot of things. Um, not a lot. They did a lot of good things, but I think they should have their own brand products. I think they should have, own, like, they should have made a deal with the battery company that have Meineke batteries so we can market them, sell them, and not have to compete. There's so many things that we could be doing here, and I feel like they're not doing it. And I think that I, if I could build this and I can get to that level, I could build it better. So she says, so go ahead and do it. I said, well, I'll do it, but are you going to be able, okay with running the stores? <laughs> she goes, I, she goes, how long? I said, a few years. I said, okay. So I set out to um, open up my own franchise and aftermarket accessories. And I thought the quickest way, rather than build one from scratch and test and tune it for a year or two, I found this company uh, called Tint World. They uh, started in, in Florida, uh, one store in Tamarack, Florida, part of Fort Lauderdale. Um, and then they, they opened up in 1982 and I came down to Florida in 1983. So they were pretty new. But when I came down, I got my first car tinted down there. They were pretty good. They opened up a second, a third. By the, over the 10 year period or so, they had six stores. Now for an independent tint shop that does some accessories, that's pretty good. I mean, I, I looked at everything all over the country. It was really nothing like that. Most people have a mom and pop, one or two stores, but nobody really had it like that. And I thought it was kind of franchise. It was a little rundown. It was a little on a shoestring budget, but they were kind of franchisey. I thought that this would look good. And I thought I could make it better. They didn't even have a point of sale. As a matter of fact, when I talked to the guy about buying them, I said, well, what do you do? How do you do your invoices every week? Well, I take uh, invoices, printed ones. I take them out. I go back. I said, well, what do you do at the end of the week? I throw them all in the dumpster. <laughs> I says, you have no records? He goes, no. I go, why do you do that? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> So I said, we got to get the system on. So I uh, made a deal with them, went out to lunch, 
a final doubt where I was going to buy the company and all the assets. And uh, we did that in 2006. Uh, in 2000, and, and so between 2006 and 2007, um, I started to write the franchise system. Now, first, I wanted to go with a, you know, a, a company that would actually consult with me and, and build this. Uh, you, know, you know, they would build the FDD, the franchise agreement, all these things. But every time I would talk to a consultant, first of all, there were a lot of money. And it wasn't that I wasn't prepared to pay it, but was worse that when I got on there, they had no clue about the business that I was going into. I said, how are they going to build this thing? They don't know anything about aftermarket accessories. You know, how are they going to do the marketing, the brochures? They know nothing about that stuff. So I spent a lot of time with some deposits, seeing that nobody really understood what I was trying to build because it's never been done. So I said, I'm just going to do it myself. So I actually found the company that was selling a templated franchise disclosure document. And they had ones for automotive, for restaurants, for other things. And what they would do, and I still know them today, they're really good. I don't want to mention the name because they don't want me to, but they're really nice people. They're very low-key. Um, and I would meet with the one person on a weekly basis. So I'd have a FTD, a franchise agreement, and a, um, an operating agreement that was a templated thing. But I felt like that the automotive industry was almost like um, – messy like they really didn't have a consistency the same tools the same equipment the same you know products and i always liked that in franchising the food restaurants always had it that way the same cups and straws and signs and branding and counters and everything was so good so i instead of buying an automotive one i bought a i bought a food restaurant fast food restaurant fdd and operating agreement i felt i felt there would be more detailed and then what I did was I started submitting for all kinds of FDDs of every kind. So I got about 20 of them in the automotive market. I got Meineke, Midas, all these different ones, Mako. I started to go um, to get, and I, I got a few food restaurant ones. I wanted to see what they had. So in my study at home where I was building all this, I had like 20 different FDDs all over, and they were separated. And then underneath them, they had my notes. And then there was all yellow sticky notes in different various sections that I read and said, I like that. I like national accounts. I'm going to put that in my system. I like, um, you know, central billing. I like that. We're going to do that one. Whatever it was, um, I found all these different things that I felt that was something I wanted to add in to my franchise system to make it more robust, compliant. And I also saw there was a lot of lawsuits with Meineke, things they didn't do so good. And they got sued for like $380 million dollars during the 90s and the people that got invited to these settlement meetings were were the ones that were on all the um these uh committee meetings which was me so i'd fly up there and be in a committee meeting and the next day later we'd have a we'd have ken Starr representing meineke with the, the class action suit people now at one point they offered a settlement for everybody to, to wave, wave off it i waved off the lawsuit but i still sat there as a member to talk about how are they going to settle this thing. So that's 10 years settlement. What they did is they would have these FTDs that they would have, they would redline all the different changes. The franchisees would say, well, why do you have to have control of this? And I was like, as a franchisee, like, yeah. And then mind if you would, their attorneys would go, well, if we don't have the control of this and somebody leaves the system, they can come and open up next to you and be a competitor. I'm like, yeah, you know, like I understood both sides of it. I really got an education in FTDs, franchising, because it was like 
on and on. And every time we left there, they would send us the red line versions, and I kept on reading them, not thinking I was learning anything, just thinking I was, oh, that's interesting. So when I went to go start writing this thing years later of uh, writing the FTT, it's like it, it was second nature to me. I'm like, okay, this is out. I don't want to be sued for that. You know, this is in. It's going to be good. I learned what to do, what not to do, and I cleaned it up, and I used the best of class of the of the uh, really strict guidelines of, um, of a restaurant business, a fast food restaurant, and I used all the elements of the various automotive with the baseline being Meineke, because it was a lot that I did like, and I took out the stuff that I didn't and adjusted it with new things that I wanted, and that's how I Frankenstein together our first FDD. <laughs> and that launched in 2000, that, that got approved by 50 states in 2007. But I felt like at that point, I actually cleaned up the stores. I got new displays. I got new signage, new design. I, I, I trademarked the world with the logo, almost every country that was, you know, a bigger country. Um, and I just did more and more every year. Um, but what I did was when I wanted to start selling franchises, I had no clue how to sell them. So I says, well, and I got a release letter from Meineke before I did any of this. I told them, I'm opening a franchise. Here's the list of services. Is it okay? They gave me a release. So I, I still had franchises running while I was building this. So I needed to get a mentor. I felt I need somebody to guide me a little bit more on like what I'm, you know, what should I be doing? So I started to look around and I found that Signorama was a, a franchise that was in North uh, Palm Beach. And I'm like, wow, you know, and I read the story about the owner, um, uh, Ray, Ray Titus. And the story was really good. He started, you know, a young guy and made this thing in school. And next thing you know, we actually opened up the, the business model that he did for his 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 uh, his, his uh, uh, test. So um, I called him up, and I said, "Listen, you know, my name is Charles Bonfiglio. I'm a franchisee, of whatever, and I'm building this franchise system, and um, it's called Tip World. And it's a I told him about it. I says, I'd like to know if you'd be willing to talk to me about it and maybe give some advice because I'm about to file franchising. The guy who answered the phone was Tony Foley. He was the international development manager for Ray Titus. Come on, Charlie, come on down. I'd love to see you and see what you got to offer. Okay. I went up there, uh, sat down with them in his boardroom. They took me for a tour of their place, which is beautiful in, in, um, in West Palm Beach. I mean, it's just amazing. He's got like basketball courts for people to go play. He's got almost like a little, um, a little mock-up room as an office for every one of his brands. It is amazing. Really good guy. Um, so with that, um, I tell my story and then, and Tony says to me, well, you, I bring my FTD, my, my franchise brochure, everything I created. I was like, here it is. Look at it all. And he goes, wow, that's your operation manual? That's 900 pages. Ours is only 200. I said, what's my life worth? He goes, well, that's great. So then he, um, he calls in, Ray, you got to come in here. So Ray Kytus comes in. He looks at all this. I spend another half hour to an hour with both of them. And so Ray just, I says, Ray, if there's just a couple of tips you can give me from this, um, what would it be? And he was well, number one, get yourself an 800 number to have all your leads go there and the call center. Number two, make sure one of your stores is a mock-up store. It's the perfect store. And you really want to have a training center there so you can train. He says, in three, make sure you file all 50 states at one time. It doesn't waste. If you just get one deal, it was worth the extra filing. Don't just do Florida. Um, four, make sure you allow for a co-brand because I think you might be good next to a Signorama working together with a co-brand. Right. Um, and then he told me, uh, make sure that your first franchisees know what they're doing and they're good. Don't just hire family members because 
if they do bad, it's going to be really hard to overcome that. And uh, there's a couple more maybe that he asked me. He told me, but he goes, and he goes, and the last thing is I want to tell you is that I really like your brand. And if, once you get approved, come back to me. And if you want, I'll sell licenses for you. I'm like, wow, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, you got a good brand there. It's going to be good. I said, great. So I left. I filed. A few months later, I called him up. I told him I got approved. I went up there. I went to work a deal with him. Uh, and he said he was going to sell licenses for me. So I started to sell licenses. Um, this is like 2007. As we went into 2008, there was a crisis. And he said, you know what? In 2008, after selling a few licenses, um, I started working with Tony Foley's son, Anthony Foley. He just got out of college. He's working in the phone room, the boiler room, we call it. His, you know, his father's there. There's three guys down there, and there's three guys. And he's overlooking all of these guys, handling all their brands, calling. Really interesting. I never – it's beyond what I'm used to. But I got friendly with Anthony. So when, when uh, Ray Titus, as well as many other franchise companies or other businesses – had this downturn in the economy, uh, they were starting to convert their, their their salespeople to operations people to go help the stores, either sell or regroup or fix or whatever, and stop selling. So Anthony, that was my main sales guy uh, from Tony's son, uh, he, he quit. He says, I'm not being no operations guy. I love sales. And he left. And then he called me up. He goes, Charles, I just want to work with you. I can't. I said, I got an agreement with them that I can't hire you for a year after you leave them. And he goes, well, at least try and call and ask. I says, all right. So I pick up the phone and I called up Ray. He says, Ray, I, I know in our agreement it says that I can't hire for a year after they leave, but this is Tony's son and he's left and he wants to work for me. If you tell me no, I'm good. I just want to ask if it's okay or if it's not. And he goes, Charles, most people wouldn't have even called. He goes, you got my blessing. And he says, really? I says, could you send me an email in writing saying that it's okay? <laughs> so he sent me an email in writing, and it was cool. Um, and I hired, I called up Anthony. Says, Anthony, we're in. He goes, all right. So right away, I took him to Las Vegas to the SEMA show. I wanted to really engulf him into everything that my industry had, and he loved it. He started loving cars and really doing it. And I, I really wanted, he was my only sales guy, so I wanted to teach him everything I knew. So when we talked to you know, prospects, he would know the FDD, the issues, the things, and he got really good at it. He's a really good guy. And he's with me to this day. He's very like the first guy who sold the first door is the guy who's now um, with me right now, still doing it. Um, but over the years, I really, I really flew under the radar. I really wasn't trying to, you know, grow too fast. And I felt like I wanted to be able to only open up stores that if there was a percentage of them that had problems, I could personally go out there and fix the problem. Like it was almost like my partner, like, you know, it's your money, it's your store, but like, I'm your partner here. So I'm going to come run your store. I'm going to help you hire guys. You know, I'll, I'll weed them out and tell you who's good or not. You could choose who you want, but it's all you, but I have to be as I'm 50% partner with you, but I only have the budget that you have to invest. So I can't think like me because I'll run it differently. So with that, I built them like, you know, 10 stores, five stores, eight stores, 12 stores a year, moderately. I was only spending about 100, 120,000 a year on franchise dev and just very modern, mostly organic. By the time we got to about 2019, which is about what now, uh, from 2007, we launched to 2019, you know, 12 years, we're actually really finding our way i mean stores are predictable we know what they're doing the first second third year 
Um, you know, they're, they're hitting out of the park. Same store sales have increased every single year, starting from about 350 when I took over the company to now they're about 900. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to get over a million for average store sales. Um, but we're getting there. And so every year it's been going up. But in 2019, I finished my brand guide, our newest displays, our, our business model was really honed in. I had a really good staff now, well-trained, that I, it doesn't have to only rely on me. So now I felt like our system was good enough. It's always going to get better, but it was good enough, better than most, better than mighty was. <laughs> and um, it was good enough to be able to go and start really scaling and come out of the closet, like come out of just being behind the current. So I started working with broken networks. And I started, um, you know, I went from spending $100,000, $120,000 a year to like five, dollars $600,000 a year in, in marketing in various ways between the broken networks, the flying my team around. And so then I hired an inside salesperson because Anthony was doing it all, the first call to the last call. So I took, I learned a lot from broken networks, talking to the brokers. And I'm like, no, you can't do that. You're the first call person. Oh, no, 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 you get them all in. And then once you get an appointment that's qualified, I set up this system that's like a six-step step system to buy. And you couldn't go to step two until step one was done and vice all the way through. So now by doing that, we went from, you know, eight to nine months to sell a franchise to four to six weeks to sell a franchise. Because it's like we're just keeping – and I dialed it all in. And through COVID, we started with, you know, virtual validations where I have a franchisee on a call with like 10, 20 other people. They're asking questions around Robin. They're leaving. I mean, that was a big help. Um, I also started um, disclosing my net EBITDA profit in uh, 2020. Um, I was able to finally do, I always wanted to do it, but I could only go do the sales because I didn't have the money, but now I have everything automated. My point of sale integrates with QuickBooks Online, integrates with a third party bookkeeping system that does all the bookkeeping for my franchisees. For a very nominal fee, and then now I got a dashboard that shows me everybody with all the P and L. So now I know what they're making, less their uh, whatever their their note payment is if they took a loan. Um, so that allows me to now see what the profit is. So now I started disclosing that, which is really cool, and um, because it's actually strong numbers. And when I started doing between that and the franchise validation virtually, and working with the brokers, and them needing somebody to replace a lot of the franchisees franchise companies that weren't designated a essential business like we were fortunate enough to be, um, we just became the hot item and they started referring to us. So in 2020, during 2020, we, I think, awarded 22 stores, which is as much as we ever had. And then 2021, we sold 78 or 79 locations. And now I started hiring more development people. And then in 2022, we sold 58, but it was skewed heavily more organic, less brokers. And then uh, this year, the year to date, we're already over 60 um, for year to date. And it's just, I, I and, and now I'm not just getting the people that want one or two or three. I'm literally getting PE firms that are coming in. They want 20 or 50, you know, and I'm, I'm just not there yet. But like I'm working with them. And then part of that is because some of the people that I'm selecting to be with me, I built this thing organically as a guy, you know, just love and franchising from the inside out. Um, and then I started hiring people. The people I hired, I would go to, I would literally go to um, these graduation classes of colleges where they were having an art festival. And I'm like, oh, I really like that girl's artwork. She could be really good. And I'd hire her. And she'd come in and I'd 
I know you know nothing about franchising, but you have good artwork, so you got to learn our brand. And then I had this outside uh, developer that I had that was doing all my my branding, and I, I I paid him to train her how to understand our brand, so she did the inside front. Then I scaled out from there. So now we got four videographers, two designers in house, one outhouse outside. Um, you know, so we have a mix. I feel like you know the people that gotta love and know the brand and the people have to be in house. The people that are outside is you know the PR company, a paid search person. Um, you know, uh, software developers beyond the ones I have in house. Oh, was these guys that want to collaborate with me? What, what we want to build for this brand? And if you're not here, you don't know it. But the people on the outside, technical, you just got to give them the technical guidelines. What do I need? Deliver it, pay it one time, I'm done. I want nice people to work with. They don't have to be all in on just our company. But if it's got to do with social media or posting or branding or design, they got to be here because I want them to work directly with my franchisees to make them feel good. So um, that's kind of how I pulled it all in. So at, at the earlier days, I have all these younger leaders. They don't know nothing about franchising. I'm not even a franchisor. I'm the guy who's a franchisee saying, I think I can do it better, you know, but I'm figuring it out. And I interviewed everybody in the industry. That's how I built it. And now um, I'm able to get to 100 plus stores doing it with people that never knew nothing about franchising, um, working with guys like, you know, you and, and, and your friend. Um, and legal team, like I wrote, I do all, you can ask him. I do all my own filing every year. I just sent to him to proof it. Just tell me, give me some new good stuff. Like this year, uh, California wanted me to put some price clause in there where my franchisees can charge anything they want, regardless of whatever they, whatever. I'm like, no, I don't want that. They have to have advice from us. So we had a new line that he built in really well. So my point to you is that like, I'm taking advice from leaders that I, and I what I like about him also He's, he's non-combative. I have zero franchise lawsuits with my franchisees not going to because I take some crow, maybe more than I should. You know, I could take a slap in the face. It's okay. It's okay. Not literally, but you know what I'm saying? They're going to pick on you for things. You can't be so brazen and so, oh, I'll sue you. That, just, that's, that doesn't work. You know, if it's not right for them, I will help them sell it. If it is right for them, I will help them build it. But if I have those values and I stick with them, Sometimes you got to give a little bit, you know, even if they're wrong, um, you got to kind of help them be right to a way where it gets you to where you want to be. And that's what I've been doing. Now we're growing to a point where it's not just personality. It's growing in, in masses. I mean, we have 170-ish sold and 130 plus almost 40 in the, it's open. Um, so with that kind of growth, um, I have to make sure that I'm able to communicate better. So we pulled on um, a new guy that just, uh, we I think, uh, put a press release out for, um, we have um, um, Michael Lopez, who uh, is uh, became operation manager. Uh, uh, he's basically the COO of the company now that's running the operations. He's also helping me launch our home service division. I've been an expert in automotive, automotive my whole life, so I know I can handle that. Um, but even operating and supporting and that at scale is something beyond what I normally did. So I got an expert in there. And then when it comes to home services, it's not my area of expertise. I know it. I understand it. I can build it. But it'll take me two years. Well, it'll take someone who's been doing it a plug and play in a few months. So we're taking on some higher level people. He was with Driven Brands. Coincidentally, I'm fond of him because he's been with Driven Brands, which is Meineke, Mako, when they all built from those. So I like the idea. I know their model. I know their people. 
And um, so even some of the people that saw him come are actually from there, are wanting to come. Um, so it's given me some opportunities to build a little bit more of a higher level executive team than I've currently had. And I can always learn, I can always grow, but most importantly, I have the passion to lead this company with the right players to be able to have our franchise be successful. And that's kind of where I have come from. Um, it's how I've done it. And I hope everybody realizes you don't just go and just do something. You learn from your life experiences. You learn from wisdom. When you got something embedded to you, what's working and what's not, and, and then you manifest what you really would love to do, and you finally do it, like this was my dream come true. Charles, I mean, what what a story. And I there, there's there's a whole bunch that I want to unpack <laughs> from it. But I'm gonna I'm, in our final seven minutes, I want to unpack a few things. One is, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on the screen. While you were talking, I'm like, I, I think about Wendy's, I Dave Thomas. I think about uh, McDo McDonald's is is somewhat a similar story. Of Ray Kroc wasn't the founder; he found something that he could uh, duplicate and replicate, and he franchised for the founders, which is what you did with uh, with you, what you were able to do with Tim World. You think uh, Colonel Sanders. I, I also, I, I tell this story a lot. Um, I don't know if you know, do you know who Nobutashi is? Uh, remind me, let me see if I remember. Okay, no, it's, it's good that you don't because I think this, this is going to help me make, make the point. So Nobutashi was with Sony. He is the inventor of the Walkman, the digital camera, and the camcorder. So arguably the three reasons we're able to talk like this today. Him and Steve Jobs both died in 2011. One left the world forgotten, one left the world remarkable. And the reason I say this is I, while you were talking, I went on, on your site and I typed in Charles at the top and there's only seven references. And if I would imagine, and I see, I see it in the way that you post on social. Yes, it, it happens to be Tint World, but you, when you listen to your story and you unpack it, it's not, Tint World is irrelevant. It doesn't matter what the brand is. You've, you've built up you as a human and your experiences and your hustle and your grit and your tenacity to, to challenge things and not listen to that's the only way uh, things have been done. If you, were, if you were CEO of Blockbuster, you would have bought Netflix. And so I hear these things and I look at your brand and I feel like it's missing you. Because I bet you every one of those franchisees is bought because of Charles, not because of the widget. And you're talking about home services, that the, the widget is irrelevant. And again, like when I hear you unpack all the things, everybody that told you, no, you can't do this. Every time you hit that brick wall, you said, no, 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 I'm going to go right through it. I got to figure out how to do it, but I'm going to go right through it. And so... From a branding standpoint, I see number one automotive franchise by Entrepreneur Magazine, sure. But that that's not what people are buying. They're they're buying you. And that that's me listening to your your story and saying, I think you're you're cutting yourself short there. And even the way that you post on social, you're you're very you're very willing. You you go out to dinner with the people you work with, you post that you're celebrating their birthday, you make them family. And so Tint World is not about cars. It's about, it's about family. And so when, when I'm trying to find what is the why you why now and how are you positioning the story, I think that's your area of opportunity after you just shared 
that that journey. You're you're missing, and and frankly, to people that don't know you, you're missing an opportunity to change their lives because so many human beings have been told no. And I would imagine majority of the people that you've met in franchising, especially franchisees, what they hear is, I was I was bullied. I was told no, I was rejected, I had to face some sort of moment in my life. And when they're hearing you, they're like, so did Charles, that's why I bought. So that's when I just listen to all that, that's what I want to say. Because I think it's, it's, a, it's a motivating story that you're not, I think more people need exposure to that. I, I usually, um, most people when I get to know them when they come for Discovery Day, well, they'll come here, they'll meet with my marketing director. After they say hello to everybody in every department and get to know them, um, they'll sit down in our boardroom and they'll they'll sit with uh, my marketing director and he tells them what he does for the franchise, what the, the creative and the marketing and the IT team do to get them open, to market for them, to get them leads, how it works, and how we help them in their local marketing. Uh, then it goes on to uh, you know Jeff, who uh, was my COO, now he's the uh, CDO. Uh, I needed, we have so much growth. I needed a, someone just to run, you know, the chief development of the brand and he's really good with it. So he's working everything from the new ones coming in and opening up stores and, you know, getting them built out and there's a lot going on there. But he um, basically sits down with them and tells them, you know, what, how we're going to help them open up. You know, we're going to help them on the lease. We're going to help them do this. We have our national real estate team. You'll get a login to see all the leads and we send you. Is our everything from beginning to end? They, they want to know how do we get to here to there, and then usually when they're done with that, there's sometimes somebody else sits in, but typically I'm the last one. And when I'll go in and sit with them, I ask them, Tell me your story. And they, you know, because by this time they've already got all their questions answered, maybe they want to double check one or two of them with me for some reason, but usually it's like, Any questions? No, no, I just want to hear more about you. I'm like, Well, before I tell you about me. You've probably seen some of it, but tell me about you. I want to know what their journey is, what they've been, because it helps me relate to them and understand, you know, how I can help them best and how I can, you know, just guide them. And so whether it's the, sometimes I have fathers and sons, even daughters. Yesterday I had a father, a son, and a daughter come in. I was sitting down with them, and I heard all three of the stories. And um, and so after that, I said, well, I know I have some videos out there. You might have saw my story or heard it from my team. No, 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 but we want to hear the whole thing. <laughs> so, like, pretty much in some version of the amount of time I spent with you, I, I really tell them. And when they're done, they, they really love the brand because it's got to be you're all in. Um, in anything you do, you have to be really all in. So I just, and I'm not, like, trying to say that I'm anything special. I'm just saying, like, I've done this my whole life. You know, that's what that's what's special though i think that's that's a, people buy from people no matter no matter what happens in transformation with ai or you if, if we if we break through your journey of how the computer got introduced into the into the unit how you revolutionize the the approach on the time clock like there's no matter what hits the consistency was you as a human, like the human doesn't disappear. And that's what, that's what I'm saying. I think people are buying from you and that you're, you, yes, yes. Give me the logistics on how I operate this business. They're curious about that. End of the day, they're like, I'm buying, I'm buying into the vision of Charles. So if you, if you said tomorrow in, a, in and again, this is stuff that I think is missing from your, your positioning of the brand innovation 
and adaptability. If they, if you said tomorrow we're we're going to be a lawn mowing company, I bet you majority of your franchisees would say let's go, and that that's that's the positioning. That's the cool part of 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 sharing your story uh, with the world. And I appreciate you doing that. I think it's uh, it was it was good just to let you flow because I was able to listen to it, and I'm sure other people are going to listen to it and be able to say that's my guy. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for letting me tell you the story, um, and I'm happy to do it. Well, Charles, I, I'm sure we're going to have to do more of this because I yeah. think there's so many other things that we can talk about, including all the things that need to be disrupted about franchising because we started going down that route. But oh, for, yeah. I've got for, a lot to say. I mean, there's one thing telling your story, and you're telling your story in the version of that you know, and it's all good. I've had people at the end of the podcast say to me, it sounds like you had no problems. You know, everything was just, you did everything you wanted. And they say, can you cover some of those? I'm like, do you really want me to? Do you think everything was, I mean, I'm just not a complainer. I don't really, I can go back and look at the obstacles that I've come across. And there's quite a bit. And there's some of them that were life-changing to me in, in a good way. Yeah. Although they're not good when you feel them, but it makes you get a little chip on your shoulder. It's going to push you even harder. But there's things that happen in your life that you should just embrace it. You know, it's not the end. It's just another beginning every time something like that happens. And so, yeah, there's a lot of those. There's a lot of things I did uh, that maybe weren't exactly perfect. And then it resulted. But I learned, you know, you, you, you pivot, and you adjust. And really a lot, a, lot of, a lot of good things, a lot of lessons behind there based on topics that you want to cover for your uh, listeners. Yeah, I, I love it. Let's let's do this again um, for just so that everybody knows in case you're trying to find Charles, go to timworld.com and you can find all about the franchise opportunities or if you google charles you can find them online but for charles i'm nick thank you for doing this this is another episode of meet the Zor. take care everybody thank you, thank you.